I will find the sunshine in the mud bucket kind of person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when somebody like me that has a lot of positivity goes through something like that, when you are behind your closed doors, when you are in your safe space, Mm -hmm. you can let it all out. You can Mm -hmm. cry, you can yell. And I did. I was throwing spoons at the wall in my house. Mm. because I was just angry. Mm -hmm. But when I would step foot out of that door, it was like, as my oldest daughter tells me now, she goes, mom, I would watch you put on your war face. Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am so glad that you are here. If you are here for the very first time, welcome. I am so glad that you have found me. If you have been with me before, a huge welcome back to you. This podcast is a place, it's a platform where I have been spreading awareness, connecting and supporting those that have experienced the struggles of infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. We talk about feeling alone, isolated, the grief and where to find support. I hold space here where professionals share how they can support you and those that have personally have experienced infertility or loss can share their stories to connect and give support to others. Your healing and happiness is very important to me. My listeners and clients have shared that they feel like they are not sure what to do. Their relationships are hard. They're feeling alone and isolated, feeling like no one understands and their needs are not being heard. I hear you. I see you. And we talk about them. We're spreading awareness and giving you a voice. If hope and healing is what you're looking for, you have come to the right place. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am so excited to share your journey to become the mom or complete your family because I know a little bit about your story. So to be mm-hmm. able to complete your family, which well, I won't give away secrets. That's for <laughs> sure. So Jen, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Jen Coble. I am a very proud military spouse. My husband retired from active duty in the Navy as a CB two years ago, April 1st, coming up. Yay. Um, so very excited about that yeah. for him, that he is, he's become my house mom, Ooh. gets our youngest daughter on the bus, gets her off the bus and is there, you know, to do the homework thing since he was always gone for our oldest daughter Ah. for so long. So we've traded places, basically. I'm the one that leaves for work every day, and he's the one that gets to stay home. And as we jokingly say in our house, did you lay on the couch, eat bonbons, and watch Oprah all day? (laughs) (laughs) Because that was the big joke when I was always, Mm -hmm. or even just at home and working you did nothing, even though there's like tons of things done. That was the standard joke yeah, of bonbons sure. and Oprah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yes. Sure. So tell us more about you. What do you love to do? Hobbies? Um, any of that kind of stuff? Or is there time for any of that 
fun well, stuff. You're a pretty fun person. I can tell that already that you enjoy life and embrace life. So tell us what's fun. Oh, yes. What's fun for you? So a long time ago, I embraced the phrase Semper Gumby, which, mm. you know, we all know like Gumby is super flexible, you oh, know, mm-hmm. malleable, that kind of thing. But Semper actually comes from Semper Fidelius, which is a Marine Corps thing of always flexible. And oh. so I was like, oh, you know, um, we would joke anytime we would have to go in the military community, if you had to go to PSD or medical or somewhere where you had to wait for somebody else, or you had an appointment, but you ended up waiting. It was like, mm-hmm. Semper Gumby, bring your book. And because you okay. always had to wait longer than you needed to, to get in to see, or, oh, wait, they had an emergency. We got to push you 45 minutes. Oh, Hope you yeah. can wait, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I've always been Semper Gumby. Um, and it, it drives some people completely bananas, <laughs> especially for those folks that are very strict with schedules. I have to have a plan to get from point A mm. to point C, even through a day or through a week. Um, and my other big thing with that is every time we would do a military move, which was normally from one coast to the middle of the country or from the other coast to the other coast. Uh-huh. And we have pets and mm. mi- most military families treat their pets like children. Sure. Um, they are members of our family. I call mine my four-legged noisy people because they like <laughs> to yell and bark at everything. <laughs> but um, when you go to move, you never know like, okay, how far are you going to drive in a day? Like mm-hmm. you have your plan of, okay, I want to get 400 miles today, but what's within that 400 miles for hotels that accept pets and mm-hmm. can get you on the first floor and accept kids and And have parking for a a truck and a car and a third car and possibly don't want to sleep in for the night. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of things of, okay, well, here's the town I roughly want to get to. And I have hotels 60 miles in front of that and 60 miles after that and everything in between that accepts pets. And well, where we stop is where we stop. There's no reservation. Yeah. Which for a lot of folks can be very nerve wracking, Mm -hmm. but it, it makes life fun because you never know where you're going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, well, or you're see yeah. yeah. And I think people get adapted to that because of the circumstances and things around them. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you can plan, 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 but there's, you have to be flexible no matter really yeah. what you do, really what you right. do. Yes. So anyway, well, good. And how long did you say how long your husband was in the military? He was active duty for 23 years. Wow. We'll make sure that you tell him we are so thankful that he served for that many years. And congratulations on retirement and and doing the mom thing. Yes. (laughs) He is very happy to do the mom thing. He's, he likes to be on Facebook and he'll be like, oh, hey, did you see, did you see, did you read, did you? And I'm like, babe, I've been at work all day. I love you, but can I read them after dinner, please? I love it. I love it. I love it. But I know you asked me what fun things I like to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's go back there. (laughs) Um, I'll, I'd like to go like, Jen's a total left field. So you may have to reel me back in from time to time. Okay. All right. All right. Um, fun things I like to do. 
surprisingly enough, despite what I do now, I am a classically trained musician. Mm. So I went to school for music performance. I have a Mm -hmm. performance degree on flute, bassoon, and piano. And right now I do currently nothing with it. Mm. It's as my mom called it, a worthless piece of paper that hangs on my wall. However, I still absolutely love music. Every so often I will get out one of my instruments and play or do whatever when there's nobody at home and I can have like the undivided silence of my house. Um, which is not all the time, but it's still fun to do it even when my kids are there because they know mom plays. They know that mom was a musician and did a lot of playing mm-hmm. before she married dad, after she married dad. And then, you know, as our travels, it's just where we were stationed didn't allow for me to be able to do that. Sure, sure. That so. makes total sense. Total sense. That's awesome. But the so other thing go- I love. Oh, okay. Oh. No, <laughs> go ahead. I love to do is- I love to cook, garden, and crochet. Yeah. All things that yeah. most people like to do, but I, I know there are people that do not like to cook. Um, mm. Grow my own garden. Me being yeah. one of those. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You ever want a good meal, come to my house. I usually cook. Okay. All right. You'll have to text me your address. <laughs> <laughs> so. Awesome. Perfect. Love that. I love anything outside gardening and all of that. I, I love all that stuff that, yeah, not a cook. I mean, I can, but yeah. And I feel like as a mom, I did that a lot when I was, when the kids were younger and now not so much. I mean, I do, my, we both do, but so we could probably talk about us, which is always fun things to talk about all day. Um, but let's share with the audience your journey, your story, So I know it was a story of experiencing some infertility and Mm -hmm. I won't allude to anything else, but share to us uh, your journey um, to have a family. So my husband and I, we do have two daughters. Bailey, our oldest is 20 and Gretchen, our youngest is eight. Mm. She is our miracle baby that our family didn't know that it needed until she got here. Mm-hmm. And with, with Bailey, we were stationed overseas. Everything was, you know, normal, good to go. No issues there. Um, I did have some preeclampsia and where they induced me early with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out, well, it's because of my blood type and her blood type. I am O negative. So I have to get those lovely Rogam shots in my hiney because my husband is not, he's O positive. So I'm very thankful with that, that both of our girls did end up being O positive. So they hopefully will not have any of the same issues that, that I did. Sure. Um, So we're going along. Bailey's great. Cool. The whole nine yards, great baby sleeps through the night all those fun things that go along with having a new baby and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we've moved a couple duty stations now and we're like, you know, maybe we need to try for number two. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, Bailey's about six, seven years old. I had been on birth control for eons basically. Um, mm-hmm. And got off the birth control. We're like, all right, we'll see what happens. And we went on for a while nothing happened, nothing happened. We're like, 
okay, well, maybe we're just not supposed to have any. Mm -hmm. In talking to my OB that I had at the time, she was like, you know, actually, this is not normal that it takes so long. Why don't we try to get you on some Clomid, regulate your cycle a little more and see how that, you know, how that helps you. Mm -hmm. So we waited until my husband got off of deployment for me to start the Clomid cycle and everything like that. Sure. Because, because well, he needs to be there. Yeah. yeah. You can't really make a baby without, you know, the male parts. <laughs> yeah. 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 He needs to be there. <laughs> Dad kind of needs to be there. Yeah. It's a little more fun that way. Sure. But, so we waited till he got off deployment. We did the first round of Clomid. Nada. Like, hmm. okay, let's give it a month or two. We'll try it again. We went through three rounds of Clomid and absolutely nothing. Mm. How did you do with Clomid? Physically, emotionally? Because there are side effects to Clomid. So I was just curious. There are. Um, I was very snappy as if I was on like the week before my period. Like, okay, you know, PMSing the whole nine yards. I was very snappy. And okay. My husband and daughter were, I said, you know, if you notice things, let me know. And they're like, you snap a lot. Mm, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that was one of those things. Okay. Other than that, um, I didn't notice too much, too many Good. other side effects that went along Good. with it, but Good. that was, you know, yeah, yeah. bad thing because it does yeah. work for a lot of people, but yeah. just for me, um, Clomid and I just did not get along. So yeah, yeah. You know, and so you did that a couple rounds and then what, then what happened? So my husband and I were like, you know what, maybe we need to just forget about the whole baby thing because we were also getting ready to move again. Okay. Um, and so we moved to our next duty station, which was more strenuous on my husband than anything because of the type of duty it was. He was a um a drill instructor at the boot camp in Chicago. Okay. Which they call that a type three C duty, which means you actually spend more time at work than you do at home, even though it's considered a home port shore duty kind of thing. Okay. And so, you know, he would be up and gone at 3 a.m. and not get home until after midnight and get up and go back to work before 3 a.m. the next day. Okay. And so it was very, very hard on him. And we're like, you know what? It is what it is. So we both got to the point where we're like, you know what? Maybe we're only meant to have one. Mm -hmm. Maybe Bailey is the only blessing that we're supposed to get. Mm -hmm. And so with that, excuse me, um, that's when my husband got um, a rank increase, which was a total surprise to us. And there was a fundraiser stuff that went along with that. And I was like, you know what? We're all having garage sales. I got rid of all the baby stuff that I had kept for mm -hmm. the last, you know, 11 years ish from Bailey pack mm -hmm. and play bouncy seats, all the clothes, all, yeah. the clothes, all the things they all went out for these garage sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I started doing something for me which in the military community, you can, you can elect to have like a procedure done. And in my case, I didn't have to elect to have this done. I just had to warrant 
why I needed it done. Mm -hmm. And that was a medically necessary breast reduction. Mm -hmm. I had gone through all the physical therapy stuff, all of the things that they'd asked me to do. It took me like a year to go through all of this. And in that time was when my husband made rank. We had the garage sale stuff. I had met with the plastic surgeon several times. They had gotten me all set up. We had scheduled my surgery at one of the hospitals near where our house was there in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he had come in, he played pretty purple permanent marker all over my chest, got everything ready to go. My husband's there, everything. Well, when you're under 55 and you go to have any kind of surgery, they do a pregnancy mm-hmm. test mm-hmm. and the nurses were taken forever. And then he comes back in the room with us and Brahms lullaby is playing over the loudspeakers of the hospital. Mm. Well, for most people, they know that, oh, there's been a baby born on the maternity ward, you know, welcome yeah. to the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He called the hospital speaker staff and asked them to play Brahms lullaby because he was coming in to talk to me. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what he was talking about. He goes, okay, so you know how we're supposed to do surgery today? And I'm like, well, yeah, what's going on? He goes, we need to postpone nine months. My husband and I knew he was going to go play golf after my surgery. And I'm like, am I interfering with your golf game? And he goes, no, you don't get the whole nine months part. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because it had been something that we had completely pushed out of our minds. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not something that's going to happen for us anymore. He goes, I can't do surgery if you're pregnant. And I said, excuse me, I'm what? And he goes, yeah. Uh, we can't do surgery if you're pregnant. First question out of my mouth was, can I pee in that cup again? Believe him. And then I cried because I was like, okay, this is, if this is really actually happening now, this screws up everything I wanted to do for me. Oh yeah. So peed in the cup again. He came in, he goes, I got good news and bad news. You want the good news or bad news first? And we said, give it to us both at the same time. He goes, okay, good news, bad news. We got to wait nine months. Yes. You're really pregnant. And I was like, it was completely mind blowing that we had gone through all of the Clomid rounds. We had gotten rid of everything. Mm -hmm. And now, now was the time that I come up pregnant. Yeah. So fast forward a couple of weeks, I get in with the OB that was going to deliver our youngest Gretchen and they want an ultrasound because I have no idea how far along I am. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Which was, you know, funny because the ultrasound tech goes, oh, come on in. You're the mom that has no clue how far pregnant she is. And I'm like, yep. Ding, ding. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) So they do the ultrasound and this is around the middle of April that I'm having this ultrasound. And he goes, Oh, all right. So you're four months, six days. And I said, excuse me, I'm what? I had no clue. I was four months pregnant when I found out that I was pregnant. He goes, so your due date is 23rd of October. Okay, cool. My husband goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, what would be really cool is if she was, if the baby was born on the day I was pinned chief, which is the day he got his rank advancement. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
that was September 13th. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold, hold the phone here. Can we try for the Navy's birthday on October 11th? Like let's, let's cut in the middle and pick a different day. He goes, yeah, no, I, I want it on the day I was pin chief. And I was like, babe, this doesn't work like this. <laughs> and we normally. joked, normally, <laughs> normally doesn't work this way. And we joked, we joked back and forth. No, we're going for the Navy's birthday. No, we're going for my pinning date. No, you know, back and forth, you know, kind of just bantering with each yeah. other. Totally jovial. Um, Ended up having the absolute worst heartburn with this child ever. And mm. she came out bald as a bat. Mm. So whether or not you have heartburn or not does not mean that your child's going to come out with a yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all those wives oh my goodness she was very very bald just like my mm-hmm. other daughter mm-hmm. so fast forward a little bit and what and, day was she born well I'm getting to that oh because you already said she was bald I'm like wait we missed the day oh yes yes <laughs> she was bald when she was born um so going along, you know, did all of my normal appointments, did the stress test, the glucose, all the things that pregnant women hate. And I had gone in for a normal doctor's appointment a couple weeks into September. And then that Friday I'm out running errands. And because this was baby number two, I would sneeze and pee my pants and it would make my husband giggle to no end because normally I would say, oh shit, gotta go change my pants again. And he would yeah. giggle. And I'm uh-huh. like, you know what, babe, if this was you, you would not giggle so much. But so I'm out running errands by myself. I sneezed at a stoplight. And of course, peed my pants again. Mm-hmm. Well, what I thought was peeing my pants. It was not. My water broke. Oh, wow. I'm pulling into the Walmart parking lot. I'm like, I'm standing there in the parking lot, cussing at myself under my breath because can't hold it to get to the bathroom that's like 500 feet from where I'm parked mm-hmm. dang it so I go in I get all the things that are on my list the dog food the laundry detergent the extra groceries I was looking for and a change of clothes and a new pair of underwear mm-hmm. and so I buy everything I go into the bathroom change you know do all that clean myself up go finish running my errands not thinking that my water just broke in the water oh wow yeah. But so I get home, I'm having Dave put things away and I'm like, something doesn't feel right. Like mother's intuition is now starting to kick in and I'm like, something doesn't feel right. So I called my OB, the one that I had just seen two days prior and mm-hmm. he goes, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. But if you're still feeling funky in a couple hours, call me back and we'll, you know, we'll see what's going on. So I continue about my merry way, sneezed a couple more times, had to go change my pants a couple more times that day, mm-hmm. what I thought was. And I'm like, it got to be about dinner time. And I'm like, no, something's not right. Some mm-hmm. Something was telling me something wasn't right. Like I wasn't feeling active contractions. Mm-hmm. None of those things, just something felt off mm-hmm. and I couldn't explain what it was really. So I called him back and he goes, all right, why don't you come in, you know, give it a couple more hours, come in. We'll just, we'll do an overall check to make sure that everything's all right. But just in case, you know, 
maybe pack a couple of things like an overnight bag. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. So I packed an overnight bag. Mm-hmm. I packed for my husband, planned Bailey a sleepover with a very good friend of ours that I knew that if I was still going to be in the hospital, that they would be able to keep her for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It's now Saturday. Uh-huh. We get to the hospital after we drop Bailey off and we walk in and they do the, the litmus paper mm-hmm. and it turns bright blue. Mm. And they're like, um, that's amniotic fluid. You're staying. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. I probably could have told you this a couple hours ago, but not knowing. Right. Um, right. Right. So they hooked me up to all of the machines Yeah. and I was having contractions two minutes apart, like consistently two minutes apart was not feeling a thing. Wow. And they asked me, they says, okay, when did you have a big sneeze that you really peed your pants? Which, you know, basically they were asking yeah. me, did your water break? And I was like, oh, about noon when I was at Walmart, the nurses started giggling and they're like, okay, so you have until noon tomorrow to have this baby. Otherwise, you know, yeah. bad things are, you know, going to Could be. Mm-hmm. Yes, could be. So they start me on all the fun things, the Pitocin and, you know, all those fun things to get the contractions going and everything like that. And the doctor comes in, this is on Friday the 13th was when I went in that night Mm -hmm. and he comes in about midnight and he goes, okay, so you have until noon to have this baby. Otherwise I get to do a C-section. Mm. And I looked at him and I said, because it had noon sure, sure. would be 24 hours since my water broke. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I said, did you forget to read line one on my birth plan there, doc? And he goes, oh, I read your birth plan, but we're going to ignore the birth plan. And I said, oh, no, we're not. Because mm-hmm. number one, on my birth plan with both of my daughters was absolutely no C-section unless mm mom and baby are in trouble. We both had to be in trouble in order for them to come slice and dice. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. I'll get to that in a little bit, but he says, you've got until noon. And I was like, okay. Sh-. And we knew that Gretchen was going to be a little sure. girl. Um, Cause I'm an, I'm an older mom. I'm not a spring chicken either. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. he goes, yeah, we'll see if she gets here. I said, doc, I'll bet you a hundred bucks. She's here before noon. And he goes, I'll take you up on that bet. I'll take your money and take you in for a C-section all at the same time. And I was like, done. She was born at 1155 on Saturday, 14th <laughs> of September, God. the day after my husband was pin chief. Oh my broke gosh. On the day that he was pin chief. Wow. So, yes. Wow. Wow. She, so let me ask you a couple questions before okay. we go farther. So, um, so knowing that now birth plans, what, what we think our birth plans are, um, never coincide with the baby's birth plan. And it's interesting that you said, um, a couple of things. First thing was that within 24 hours, she needed to be born. And I kind of gave a face on that and we're on zoom for this. So you saw that mm-hmm. um, and reacted. I have a grandson that was held in the hospital 
they stopped his contract, her contractions, my daughter's contractions, and held him. He was, it was 30, you, her water broke at 30 weeks. Okay. And they held her to 32 weeks before contractions started again. And so when she was, when her water broke and I was taking her to the hospital because her husband was working, I said the same thing, like, this baby's coming, you know, when your water breaks, the baby has to come because otherwise mm -hmm. there's infection. But, and I say that knowing what you just said, it's like, when did that change? Cause he's four and a half and maybe it depends on how many weeks along you are. So how many weeks were you at that point? Cause you said you weren't due to the 23rd. So that's like five weeks. So you were mm -hmm. 35 weeks or roughly 35 weeks. Okay. Um, and the reason why they gave me the 24 hours was because when they did the first initial ultrasound after they did the litmus paper was okay. they found that I didn't have, I had already lost too much amniotic fluid sure. to okay. hold her. Okay. So they're like, okay. nope, you got 24 hours to have her now. Okay. 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 So I think it might have to do with the amount of amniotic of, fluid, of fluid that's left. Okay. Mm -hmm. That would make sense. Cause I don't know. I know she, because she lost because her water broke. She, you know, I don't know what the amount was. I mean, I know she didn't have it all, but I don't know what it was. And he had some things. We, we know he wasn't moving a lot because of um, the amniotic fluid, fluid not there, but mm -hmm. um, I guess there was enough there. And she was at 30 weeks. And they really wanted to keep him to get those lungs and everything further, further developed. So yes. that's why I gave that face like, <laughs> wait, wait, that's not. And it's probably, see, I didn't know all of those other factors played a part mm -hmm. in that for sure. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to continue with that story, but I, I want to go back because okay. the podcast here is about struggling with infertility or loss. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure we touch on those years that really my, what I would say is you had a secondary infertility, which mm -hmm. is common. So I, you said the doctor said it's not common and I would say it is common, um, but it's what we know, you know, mm -hmm. and just because I've talked to women, multiple, multiple women that have a secondary infertility. So kind of where were you? I know right now you're, you're so happy you know that and we're, we're a little past when you went through it but how were you really when you were going through that was there you know you wanted another baby you were trying mm -hmm. for another baby the clomid wasn't working so what I do I just know with talking to many women there's some grief there's some stuff that happens there. There is sadness that comes with, you know, we're doing this Clomid in your case mm -hmm. and it's not working. Tell me where you were in that space during those years that you were trying before the surprise. <laughs> and she was a big surprise too. Yeah. Um, so though in between when we decided that, okay, yes, let's, let's try for, you know, baby number two. Mm -hmm. And when we actually got pregnant with Gretchen was about six years. Mm -hmm. um, there's 12 years difference between our girls, but we started 
you know, doing the thing that does the babies. Yeah. When Bailey was about six. Mm-hmm. And we didn't find out that we were pregnant with Gretchen until Bailey was 12. Yeah. And so in the beginning, it was like, you know what? I've been on birth control for so many years. It, I've got to basically flush it out of my system kind True. of frame mm-hmm. of thought because mm-hmm. I had been on birth control before we had Bailey and mm-hmm. for the last six years of after Bailey's been born. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, birth control has different effects on your body. Mm-hmm. So that's what we played a lot of it to, to a point to where we were like, and that was probably two or three years, maybe four years in there where we were like, okay, it's just the birth control. I'm, we're not spring chickens anymore. My husband's been to fun desert countries and had lots of funky shots. Maybe those from that, you know, that part of it is playing into this, you know, it was all of those what if kind of things, like not really pinpointing that this was the issue or that was the issue. Mm -hmm. So when we started the Clomid, they had me go in and basically they did an ultrasound for an egg check. Okay. And they're like, nope, you got plenty of girls down there, plenty to go, plenty to have all, all the things. And I was like, okay, well now, because we talked about all the fun places my husband's been and all the fun shots that he's had and, and meds that he's had to be on because of that, let's see if maybe it's on that side that, okay, we're not meant to have anymore because of those things. Mm -hmm. Nope. Everything was good to go. Mm. So like, okay, that's when we really were like, okay, well, are we hitting it wrong? Like, do we need to like watch my cycle? Do we need to take my temperature every six seconds? Like then it was almost like an obsession kind of thing. Right. And, and I know a lot of women get into that. Well, you know, I get up in the morning and I need to take a urine sample and I need to take my temperature and I have to eat this and I have to drink this. And, and it almost got that way with my husband and I, and I was like, is it really worth putting both of us through all of this basically pain and agony of having another baby Mm -hmm. that when the opportunity came up at, you know, the duty station where Gretchen was born, that we were like, you know what? We kind of threw our hands up and we're like, we're done. We're just, yeah. we just decided we're like, no, we're done. Like we're not meant to have any more kids. Like mm-hmm. that's just God's plan for us. And that's the way that it's going to be. And we're going to be thankful for Bailey and spoiler rotten and all the things. Sure. And I think that was the point that we finally were both, we were at peace with it because mm. up until that point, we weren't at peace with not having another baby. You know, we knew we wanted to add to the family. We wanted our parents to have more grandkids. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, it got to the point where the obsession wasn't worth the outcome now. You know, it was like, we're, we're burning, we're burning the candle at both ends and not getting anywhere kind of thing. Like the candle's not moving. It's not getting any shorter kind of thing. And we're like, no, we just, we need to be done. But we were both, I mean, we were not happy people during the whole process of waiting to have another baby. It, it makes no one a happy person. Um, it makes you very much so on edge. Um, 
And it depresses a lot of people. My husband got depressed. I got depressed um, to where there was like a week. I didn't even leave the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and I think that's know, common, mm-hmm. very common. And, you know, at, at one point we're like, you know, it, it was almost like the whole throw your hands up kind of thing. We're done. Like mercy, we give uncle all the things yeah. we're just, we're done. Like enough yeah. is enough. We've, we've reached our limit of what we can handle. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a big part of it is with couples is kind of like, okay, we're drawing the line here. Mm-hmm. We, we can't do anymore. Um, we, we're, we're at this point. I think the other thing is a lot of times with infertility, there is a drive to get to that end goal, that plan that we think we, we want, that we have a desire. Um, but a lot of times we, we don't necessarily, we can't get there. And I wanted to add to that. And I, I, I don't know with you, um, but I'm kind of sensing some things. Um, you are a very, um, positive person, Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, optimistic, just, just exudes more positiveness. And with saying that I know from people that I've coached, people that I've talked to, when someone's going through infertility, not always, their self-worth, there's blame, there's, there's a lot of self-worth, there's doubt in themselves because mm-hmm. they're not in control of their body and it is, they're not in control of it, but there's still all of that plays um, in them, in their head. Um, how were you being such a, I'm going to say very positive person, did that play? You already said that you were depressed. So mm-hmm. where, tell me, talk about that a little bit. So I'm extremely positive person. Like yeah. I, I will find the sunshine in the mud bucket kind of person. Mm-hmm. 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 But when somebody like me that has a lot of positivity goes through something like that, when you are behind your closed doors, when you are in your safe space, mm-hmm. you can let it all out. You can mm-hmm. cry, you can yell. And I did. I was throwing spoons at the wall in my house. Mm-hmm. because I was just angry. Mm-hmm. But when I would step foot out of that door, it was like, as my oldest daughter tells me now, she goes, mom, I would watch you put on your war face. And it was like, it was almost like it, it not really a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, but she knew mm-hmm. the way mom walked and the way she held herself when she walked out the door, she'd put on her war face. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did. Like to the outside world, except to those that really, really knew me, nobody had a clue what was going on. Mm. Nobody. Mm. And I think women do that. A lot of times we do. Yes. Mm -hmm. But behind closed doors, when my husband wasn't at home, I would throw spoons at the wall. Like I would just be so angry. I've got Pamper Chef wooden spoons and I would be just be so angry. And I would just smack the counter so hard that I could break one of those spoons in half. Mm. 
-hmm. And that's not the kind of person or the kind of mom that any of us want to be, but it was just, it was so infuriating. It's like, you know, you get that thought of what's wrong with me. Why can't I get pregnant? Why can't we get pregnant? Why am I not having a baby? So. Yeah. Well, and I just want to bring that up because, you know, your story is so um, (laughs) unusual, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like gives you happy, warm feelings. And because I know there's many listeners that it's like, well, why are you sharing that? And the reason I wanted you to share your story, because it is a happy story and Mm -hmm. infertility and loss, you know, don't always have to be um, super, super sad. You know, we all, we a lot of times had that happy ending, but I wanted them to know too that you're human, you know, and those years that you went through were still difficult and to still give them hope that even if you're breaking the wooden spoon on the counter and and upset that there can be not always but there can be that that happy ending Mm -hmm. so that's why i wanted you to kind of go back there a little bit um and it was probably more difficult being military i would think would you say that that's more difficult friends change and you're changing and were you changing Uh, places during that time when you were really um, focused, I guess, on adding to your family? Or were you at the same place during that time? We were at the same place. We were stationed out in California. Um, So I had the same doctor the whole time. I had a military doctor. I had a military OB. I had a civilian OB. I had a civilian doctor that prescribed me the Clomid. Like I had a whole slew of doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them for the for overall were great. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had a great experience with all Mm -hmm. of them, Mm -hmm. but because of the type of duty that my husband had there in California, he would go on a 10 month deployment, be home for a month or two, go on a month for an exercise, come home for a month, maybe two, and then leave again for another 10 months. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was always that constant, we know he's going, so we got to hurry up and get it done. We need to hurry up and get it done. Wow. That makes it even more difficult. It does. It's almost like, okay, like, you know, you're tightening the screws down a little bit, you know, you're going to hand crank them. Oh no. We said, let's get the electric drill out and just drill these things in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought about that, that women couples in the military that are struggling with infertility they have this extra i'll say this an extra layer on top of that because of deployments and stuff their time frame just can add another layer on top of all that oof yeah very very strict time frames um and you know for for those that don't know about the military we're not there are certain things fertility wise that um, our medical will cover and there's okay. other things that they will not cover. Okay. So they, they did cover the Clomid, but anything past the Clomid, we had to pay out of pocket if we were going okay. to do that. Yeah. I was wondering Just like about anybody that. else. So I don't, okay. you know, 
you know, anybody that's not familiar with the military, I don't want them to think that, oh, well, you know, if we were military, we could get all this for free. No, no, you're no. Yeah. We're yeah. very limited as to what we could do and Clomid okay. was as far as they would let it they go. Would do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's helpful. That's helpful for me. And so I'm sure it's um, insightful and helpful for the listeners as well. Just things that I'm unaware of. Of course, the listeners might know all of that, but I didn't. So. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I learn multiple things, I think, every day, just because of the amount of people that I talk to. Um, I'm always, always, always learning. So I'm going to let you go back to share more about Gretchen. You were going to continue her story. So I just wanted to kind of touch back base there a little bit. So yeah, okay. share more. Share more about so that. So our little spunky, fun ball of joy, as I like to call her sometimes, my water broke on the day that my husband was right. pinched, mm -hmm. on the 13th of September, and she was born five minutes before noon on the 14th. And mm -hmm. I was like, you little shit. I mm. love you to death, but you, you cannot listen to your father already. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But she is the third redhead in my house. So mm. I live with all redheads. I am not a redhead. I dye my hair to look closer to my children. So I don't get called the <laughs> nanny. Because I have been called the nanny before. Sure. Really sure. Seriously, you know, like, do you see the nose? Do you see the nose? They all have my nose. Yeah. Both of my girls have mom's nose. Oh, thank goodness they don't have dad's keyhole, key slope. You know, <laughs> keyhole kind of nose. Um, yeah. but she is a sweetheart. She is smart as a whip. Good. But the other thing that goes along with Gretchen is that when she was three, we're going to fast forward a couple of years here. Okay. Um, when she was three, she was diagnosed with ASD and ADHD. Mm. So we've had our own set of struggles that go along with that, with her sure. having autism and ADHD. So every morning it's different when we wake up at my house are we going to have yeah. a good day is it going to be a crapshoot so mm -hmm. and um a lot of folks will you know i watch the cycle of the moon which they're like oh all right well you know you yeah. like the moon and i'm like no no, no I'm, this mom does not like the full moon thank you very much because full moons play havoc on kids with special needs so about three days before the full moon, while the full moon is in effect, whether it's three or five days, and then two to three days after the full moon, Gretchen is spun tighter than a top that you can get your finger around. Mm. And it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Mm. Most of the time, it's not a good thing in my house. Mm. Sometimes it can be, you know, with lots of coaching and prepping and all these things, but some yeah. people look at me like I'm crazy. And if yeah, you've ever I, known yeah. a special needs child, they you'll notice yeah. there's certain times of the month that are more difficult for them than others. Well, and I think people, I know this, um, and a lot of people do, that the, the cycle of the moon plays havoc on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, if you've ever worked in the medical field, the ER, the hospital, anything in the medical field, you're very aware of it. Oh, yes. Labor and delivery, you're very aware of the, the moon. 
And <laughs> because I worked and that's part of to why I have, I think I do what I do as a grief coach. I worked in the funeral industry in the funeral home for 15 years. And this might be hard for people, but death also is around the moon and cycles and stuff. And so people may not be aware of that, but there's definitely um, the moon plays a factor in, in all of us. You know, we may not realize what it is, does to each and every one of us, but yeah, it'll play havoc. And yeah, even baby deliveries, they know that there's going to be more, not that, I mean, there's babies born every day, but there's a, a more born at certain times of the moon cycle. So interesting, yes. interesting. Yes. So I have one question and I'm sure the listeners are thinking too, did you ever get that breast reduction? <laughs> yes, I did get that breast reduction. <laughs> the listeners will appreciate this. Okay. All right. When my all husband right. met me, I was around a D double D. So I had a fair amount of boobage. Uh-huh. I'm only five feet tall, so I'm not a very tall individual. Oh, okay. And We're so getting a picture. <laughs> fast, yes. Fast forward. We had Bailey and I breastfed Bailey and the girls were like, oh, this is cool. We like this size. Let's move to a double G. Mm. My shoulders were not very happy with a double G. And the fact that I had enough milk production to feed a small army of babies when I was nursing Bailey. Then we fast forward to Gretchen and I had a two month supply. Mm. That was it. So I pumped as long as I could. And then about two, three months, I basically dried up. I was drinking water like I was a fish swimming in it. Mm-hmm. And I could not produce enough produce. to keep up with her, mm-hmm. which a lot of moms have problems with that. Yeah. Too. Some can't yeah. even breastfeed to begin with. Right. So I was happy. I was able to give her that much, but which meant that at month three now starts my four months of, I have to dry up. It takes roughly four months for you to dry up before you can do anything. Mm-hmm. So Memorial Day weekend after Gretchen was born was when I had my reduction. Oh, I went good. from a double G back down to a D. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, well. I still do have permanent bone damage in my shoulders. Um, and that will always be there. It will never go away. It's because my body was not built to carry double G's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. The listeners don't know this at all because I don't think I've ever brought this up on any episode. <laughs> um, my daughters um, know this. So I worked for a plastic surgeon's office for five years where they did breast reductions. And yeah, it's difficult for women that are yes. so endowed. So, so I want to conclude because we could talk. <laughs> I will say I might have to have five episodes by the time we're done, but we will continue to talk just probably not on the podcast. We have a lot more in common and things that we need to talk about, but I want to go back to kind of the, the audience here. So okay. if you can give words of encouragement, insight to those women that are going through infertility, secondary infertility, any thoughts, anything that you can share with them? 
to help kind of give them some inspiration and hope thoughts. Well, I know, I know for me, when you're in the thick of it, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. That for most women, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, to yes, you're going to have the hard days and let yourself have the hard days mm -hmm. because if you don't, it's, it's like dropping a Mentos into a diet Coke bottle when you mm -hmm. finally just release all of the anger or pent up mm -hmm. aggression, all of that kind of stuff. Let yourself have the bad days. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have those bad days. Lock yourself in your bathroom with a bubble bath and a bottle of wine, if that's what it takes kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but know that not every day is going to be a bad day. You're going to have those good days. You could end up with a surprise like I did. Yeah. Or, you know, like my husband and I got to the point, you just toss up your hands and go, you know what? We're thankful for what we have. Yeah. 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 And sometimes it's just being thankful, you know, if there are no children that result in that, that you're just thankful for the relationship. And mm -hmm. and hopefully that relationship has grown closer together. Can't go the other way, but hopefully it's grown closer together. Yeah. And just, you know, I'm here for those bad days in that time frame mm -hmm. um, that you're you're struggling with that. That's why I'm here. I understand it. Um, and I can really support women through that time, which is hard and sometimes years. Mm -hmm. so, and it can it can really play havoc on you mentally, physically, spiritually, if if that is, mm -hmm. you know, your belief and your marriage, your relationship. So I yeah. am definitely here to help those that you know, don't have to go it alone for sure is, I guess, what I'm trying to say there as yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Yep. So, Jen, I want to thank you so much. Unless you have something else, we're going to we're going to end. You good? No, I'm good. Okay. okay. I'm good. All right. So I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing. It was a joy. <laughs> um, lots of laughs. Um, but that I can tell is your personality and that is amazing. I love it. Sometimes our episodes, we always laugh through the episodes because I always know that there's something beautiful, positive, something to be grateful uh, in the journey. So I want to thank you for bringing us a little more laughter this episode and then we've had maybe in some previous ones. So thank you so much for that. enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please consider sharing it. And if you do share it on social media, tag me so that I can personally thank you because I really do appreciate uh, you sharing it. And this really is the best way that we can connect and support others on this journey. And also, if you can take a minute and write a review or comment on this episode, or ask a question. Those are the ways that I can continue to create valuable and supportive content for you and the other listeners. 
And of course, if you have not yet connected with me, I would love for you to find me on social media. On Facebook, you can find me at Teresa Werner Reiniger. On Instagram, Teresa Reiniger. And on both Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at Living After Grief. If you need support and are feeling alone on your journey, I am here to support you. I am looking forward to being with you again next week. So continue to share your story to help others feel inspired and to give them hope on their journey. Until next week, have a peaceful and blessed week.